0: Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Team Arbus Daily, and in this episode we'll be reviewing all the Formula 2 and Formula 3 action from Bahrain. Joining me in this crusade is none other than Mr. Jesse Wellington. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right, actually. It's been a busy uh, Monday on press for Classic Car Weekly and I've just scrammed dinner so I've got some sort of volcanic level indigestion. But I'm ready to talk F2 and F3 to take my mind off things.
0: This is the dedication to the Feeder series, and in case you missed our F2 and F3 Who's Who episodes, you listeners can go and check those out in your
1: own time. They'll be up everywhere else where all the other podcasts are. And when you do check them out, check out the day that, especially on the F3 one, we published it, because it came out at least two weeks before we broke this upcoming piece of news, which is interesting.
0: Yes, because I was curious for ages who the final piece in the F3 puzzle was going to be. And I did a little bit of research and I found out that it'd be Luke Browning and he would be joining Formula 3. So we went and recorded the podcast as we as we do with Fraser Ford. Hi, Fraser. Thanks for listening. And then last week, just a few days before the season kicked off, Luke Browning then got confirmed for Formula 3 for 2023, which really threw me for six because I was like, yeah, I know. We all know that, don't we? That's not breaking news, but apparently it was. So I'm really curious as to how I managed to find that out now.
1: Yeah, a bit of an odd one, but hey, he's, he's come from GB3, I think, if I'm correct. Yeah, GB3 history. champion yeah.
0: last year, so...
1: He deserved to be
0: there and he did all right, all things considered, for a first weekend, supposedly with very short notice, although I kind of have to put a bit of an asterisk next to that because I suspect someone knew something. I definitely did. Um, maybe I should have ended the lottery that week. Never mind. Can't do much about that. But Luke Browning, good job and good job me for knowing that ahead of time. But that was all. That's pretty much all of what the hell has happened for this week because we can just get straight into all of the Formula 2 actions straight off the bat, which, Jesse... We were thinking that this was going to be, not tame, but it was definitely the least one we were looking forward to in terms of the lineup when we were reviewing who's who. And then Formula 2 kind of throttled us by the throat for thinking that and treated us far too nicely.
1: Yeah, it sort of chokeslammed us into the bed and really gave us a bit of a surprise there. Because we were sort of looking at going, ah, it's going to be Theo Porcher's year to finally get his F2 Championship under his belt. And then... Uh... Yeah, F2 had very different ideas to that one. Um, Obviously, clean well, pole... not for
0: Teo porcher to be not fair. Not
1: for Teo porcher sure. He achieved what he set out to achieve. Clean pole um, with a very, very fast lap time. Really, really impressive. And the way he just sort of generated the speed and the time around that course was fantastic. And again, indicative of someone who has got their eye in for this year and is looking to make a big championship run. Uh, sprint race, we're expecting the usual chaos with uh, the sort of mixed up front end of the grid and ralph bosch a driver who we sort of always had mid-tier views on sort of ran away with it really which was quite impressive
0: yeah it was someone finally awoke him and mm. it's just I mean, last year was a tricky year for him out for injury and all this kind of stuff and he showed flashes of it when he came back but then he had to go away because the injury was still coming in playing up a bit but this year he just seems to have no he's really on it he hopefully can stay for the entire year i mean some. Starting out of the gates like this has got to help you get some sponsors shortly if you're still needing some, but yeah, like you say, you just run away with it while everyone else behind was just squabbling like, like mad. And then, one of the sprint race, 96th attempt, as I put on my Instagram story, 96th time is obviously the charm, mm. and over 2,000 lapses raced in Formula Two, which it's kind of Black Knightish from Monty Python or Twitter Olympics Monty Python, like he doesn't know when he's beaten, he doesn't know when he's won. Either, but he keeps going, and we love him for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he just doesn't give in, and you've got to respect the dedication for not quitting and packing up, especially when you get into two over two thousand laps race, ninety six races, and you're thinking, okay, we'll give it this season, and so then perhaps knock it on the head. But then you come into this season, all of a sudden, is like hey, I think I've got this. And even I think obviously where he missed out on a lot a lot of last season, there's possibly this extra motivation to sort of come back and sort of not go out with a whimper, but go out with a bang. And it's it's a, it's a not so much a bang, but a fantastic flourish, which we like to see. Uh, then we had obviously Halgrim P2 and Victor Martins, last year's Formula 3 champion, coming home P3, which is a nice sort of, that's a little link there. And again, good case in point for this boy's pace and ability to get on with the car.
0: Yeah, it was very nice to see. I mean, we've seen with Hauger with last year that it's not so easy all the time. You can't always be Oscar Piastri coming in and just romping home with it straight to your rookie season. But Hauger on it again and showing maybe he's a Mick Schumacher and he takes that first season, get to grips with everything in second season, let's go for it, and Victor Martijn. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I want to just go for this right now. <laughs> and third place on debut, very respectable. And he's battling hard with Iwasa and Rivler sniffing in around it too. So it wasn't an easy go for him. And Simexen overtakes the whole way through that with dive bombs and defensive moves just left, right and centre, really. And not even just at the top of the field either. You had silly fun battling towards the end of the race for 13th, 14th and 15th, which you'd think they were fighting for podium positions with the way they were scrabbling towards themselves. And when you realize it's a sprint and not only are there less points available than normal, but you're still out of the points positions. That's just mad.
1: It's, it's early doors. Suggest I think it's the early exuberance from some of the drivers moving up from F three, which I know we'll move on when I get to my sort of thoughts on the F two rate, or the feature race rather. But yeah, there's a lot of a lot of energy going into this sort of opening round of Formula two, and I like it. And equally, you said about sort of how season last year being a bit more that he's possibly more of a Schumacher, having to sort of take that second season. That's not to poo poo his first season in Formula two. Well, it's still a very Halber good, did very, very good. Uh, he
0: did a feature race win in Baku and did fairly, fairly decently. But again, I think it was that expectation that Pierre s put on in everyone from, from previous years, mm. that you kind of have to perform, and because he won F3 in such a dominant style that it was just expected of him, and I think that this is a very good way to show everyone at Red Bull that I'm still here. Don't mm. count me out just yet. I'd rather be... we you rather have someone who's consistent and can build on that rather than maybe a one-hit wonder.
1: Mm. He's sort of proving he's not so much a flash in the pan, but a sort of long-term build upon driver, which I think Red Bull once they've sort of figured out what on earth their future is going to be whenever Max Verstappen finally leaves, they need to obviously know they've got a decent driver lineup that they can start sort of cycling through and finding out who's the best spot to sort of replace him with. So, yeah, it's a good move from Halger, great from Martans. And then like you said, yeah, there's brilliant battle all the way through, which lined us up neatly for a feature race. And, um, I know you both had different thoughts about um, the quote of the weekend. Both of them stemmed from the feature race, but for me mine has to be coming from the end of the feature race, um, which was from the team radio to Zane Maloney, the Carland team radio, which was, imagine what you could do if you qualify where you should, which seems on the face of it quite harsh, and Carlin is known for its quite harsh team radios, but they have a point, because, good gracious, Zane Maloney put in a hell of a performance in the feature race, did he not?
0: Oh, he very much did our boy from Barbados such to the extent that I very much could even spot Bushy Buck on the side of the car properly now, and it's it's I do enjoy that, and I do hope that we can ever race there someday of some kind, even if it's just a charity or the Undercut Podcast. Um, there's the plug now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Zane Loney, just no one told him he was a rookie.
1: No, he looked at home in that car and looked at home racing in that series. So there, there was. There was nothing to say that this boy is in his first year in Formula Two. It was fantastic. Um, Similarly, and I mean, I know
0: Carlin are known for their harsh team radios at times, but that—I mean, come on—the boy's in his first race. He's not going to get it out the bat. You could at least be a little more lenient with him and just like, you know, what good job for P three. I know that it's kind of like gentle ribbing, but also that's that's a bit harsh on your first weekend in Formula Two, no.
1: It's a little harsh, but equally, if they know he's got the performance in him, why not push him and encourage him to get to that performance? If equally, they've probably found out exactly how to appropriately motivate that driver if they've got this good connection. Bear in mind the success Carlin has of getting drivers into Formula One and successful drivers at that. Carlin's probably got the right idea when it comes to understanding the psyche of each driver and finding out what motivates and drives them. And potentially with Zane, he needs not necessarily the sort of harder crop, but more of a sort of... Sharper prod as it were I think would be the best way of saying it I think this is Signs of good things to come Certainly Would
0: you like a ballsy prediction Early doors then For his future
1: Oh go on We love a good ballsy prediction from you
0: I'm going to say He replaces Lando Norris At McLaren For 2026
1: When 2025 Mm. Ooh Albon goes to Sauber a year early
0: I don't know why you brought Albon into it
1: Oh, Not Albon Norris even Goes to (laughs) Sauber a year early
0: Potentially, or he just sits out a year and goes to IndyCar, maybe he gets switched around. But I'll leave that up to up to Zach. But mm. my point is, yeah, Carlin, McLaren, why not? Let's have a bit different. It's always Red Bull and AlphaTauri. Why not just go straight McLaren?
1: Mm. It's not a bad shout. Not a bad shout at all. Yeah. I mean, there was action on the rest of the field as well. There was, well, there wasn't action for Theo Porsche who just sort of vanished and then watched the rest of the race on the screen. He did a very like good we Max for Stappen impression. He did, yes, yeah, and just sort of left all the action behind him. Uh, 19 seconds up the road from Ralph Boshong. Again, another good weekend for Ralph Boshong. Then, of course, we had Maloney in P3, and he'd come all the way from P18. So, yeah, it was good, good little race for Porsche. And again, what he needs to restart really off this season strong, obviously, pole position really affording him what he needs for the feature race. Um, yeah, just, just pretty good action.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was very much a, a, a race of two tails. When you've got Porsche up front, who uh, just having a nice little Sunday drive for himself, just essentially doing qualifying laps more or less, and then behind him is just pure chaos that just kept building and building and building. And you think they could have probably done that all day if it had been one of, if it had been allowed. It was hmm. just absolutely nuts. Um, I mean, yeah, if you... no, it's just it's just madness, wasn't it? They're just so much overtaking and switching back, left, right, and center all over the place, and you're just like. This is, they've really gone early doors. This is going to be a long championship, but they are they are desperate to fight for these other places here.
1: Mm. I mean, basically, as soon as you start working back from Porsche, everyone else in the top 10 was pretty much constantly battling for it, especially going into that final phase where you had the differential in the tyres and the tyre compounds. So all of a sudden you had Cushmine, Vershaw, Leclerc, Hadjar, Iwasa, Fittipaldi and Correa making up the rest of that top 10 and battling it out to the last lap absolutely fantastic. I was a bit disappointed in Fittipaldi, could have held it together for a little longer, there was a few mistakes creeping in under the pressure possibly but we saw some good stuff from Iwasa in there um...
0: yeah, Iwasa with a bit of a quiet weekend but it's glad that he's at least in the middle of it all and keeping himself relevant that way because again if you're looking at that Miney, Leclerc Hadjar, they're all the and Correa semi-ish or all the newbies in Formula 2 this year so for us to make sure that Okay, a couple of them beat him, but not all of them. You need to keep some of them behind and just make sure you're at least with them, if nothing else there. And mm. I've got to say, as, as impressed as we were with Ralph Beauchamp getting on the podium twice in a weekend, Cushmine, very much credit where it's due. We were not expecting a P, P4 from him, and he was up in the podium at one point. It was just it was Maloney that got him, which if you look at last year's F3 performances, that doesn't surprise you, but you're thinking, damn. Miney's really going for it and Camp was an incredibly strong weekend for them in F2
1: yeah because Miney coming from not sort of a decent record in F3 and moving up into F2 and you don't expect oh, to I wouldn't have promoted him more I... No, that's the thing. I don't think we would have done. And then all of a sudden he's in F2 and is able to extract these performances and he's not there by fluke or happenstance. He'd qualified well and raced well to maintain that position, which was good. My one sort of flaw in that top 10 is possibly Leclerc. He sticks out to me as a bit of a sore thumb, a one who in that group really could have done better but just wasn't. He wasn't quite gelling with the car he was in and this will lead on quite nicely to your your quote of the race really, which was, uh, I'll let you give it.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, again, Boshong magic, essentially. It looks like he maybe got his Hogwarts letter better late than never. Uh, Alex Bundle, friend of the podcast, who on Boshong's lap one Ascension just cast the spell Wingardium Lucky Upper. <laughs> Yeah, And the siege just parted for him, essentially, down kind of turn five and six area on, on lap one. And it kind of had one wondering if Ralph Boshong
1: was either the Messiah or a very naughty boy. It was... Yeah, just really impressive driving to get through a pretty big melee that opened up ahead of him. But Charles Leclerc, uh, not Charles Leclerc, after Leclerc was one of the drivers... Seems- to make
0: this weekend with all the tyre lockups. It,
1: yeah, was a driver that really did seem to be struggling with, the sort of locking the fronts, going into turn one and turn four. It was... It, he was overdriving the car way too much and I think he, he hadn't quite adapted to what that F2 chassis is like to manhandle compared to the F3. You he came you across as to- he wasn't
0: aware of He was aware of where he was, but like, how did I get here? Panic! Panic!
1: Mm. Yeah, I think the F3 car, you can take it a lot more by the scruff of the neck and really chuck it about a bit more, whereas the F2 you have to to not treat it gently, but you have to have some level of flow and sort of constancy with the car, and you can't be sort of jamming at the brakes and jamming at the throttle like you do in F3 a bit more. Because, as Leclerc proved, it's an easy way to throw away positions, and you had Richard Vershaw coming back on a Odd strategies, but he came back through with it. And I think, had Leclerc not spent as much time sort of torturing his front tyres, I think that was an interesting note of, um, uh, yeah, Leclerc to see the stewards for cruelty against front tyres because there were some brutal lockups on there. It was a surprise that he was able to not turn them into stop signs by the end of the race.
0: Yeah, no, it was. Uh... It was a shame for him, but I mean, again, decent performance overall for a first race weekend. So it's just, mm. I think it's because we we expect better or maybe we don't. And it was that questioning of should he have been elevated to F2 this year or not? And we're going to be harsh about it because someone has to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, I perhaps one more F3 year would have just seen him right and given him a chance to Experience a bit of dominance in F3, where you can then perfect your sort of smooth driving style that you need for F2. And crucially, if you are going to get into F1, you cannot be sort of jumping from pedal to pedal and literally sort of using it like it's an Irish jig. You've got to have a level of smoothness with the controls to get the most out of those chassis. Otherwise, you just overwhelm the grip all of a sudden. You end up with way more power than grip. And that's how you quickly find yourself going bass backwards into a tire wall.
0: F2 did get a rank of A. For me, though, if we're going to be grading it for for performances over the weekend, there in terms of returning to action, it was definitely for me the top tier of of motorsport across the three formula this
1: weekend. Across the three formula, yeah, i would yeah. give it the the highest grade out of the three of them. Um, I'd argue that potentially if we're going to go stateside and include the two series major series from there, we're be not going to do that answer. because it gets tricky then. <laughs> it gets tricky then, but yeah, we'll we'll touch on it a little bit later. But yeah, Formula we to 3, F3 had a anyway. good start. Formula 3, uh, Gabriel Mini claimed the first pole position of 2023. Interesting little pole position. Nice to see from the young driver. And then the sprint race happened.
0: Yeah, which naturally automatically means that Mini gets demoted down to P12 for that. So it automatically makes his life much more difficult. It was a good little sprint race, though. I mean, ish, when it was going. because it was very stop-starty but the bits where we were racing were good but we just didn't get a lot of it yeah, yeah, it got there for the last five, seven laps or so I think it was and Mm. it was kind of, it was a for a Saturday on an F one weekend, where it's the summer season, it was a nice little appetizer. It was a shame we couldn't have had more of it, but it was like, okay, my appetite is wetted. Now we can continue with the other courses.
1: Mm, it's like getting either an amuse bouche or like a really nice warm bread roll with a good salted butter at a good restaurant. Mm. Is that sort of mm, yes? I'm ready for something more now. That's good, but obviously it's clearly not a main course. And yeah, it was. It did its purpose.
0: And Pepe Mate won the race. He's back in F3 after a previous best finish of P9 at Monza last year. So he was a very happy chappie. Also with Campos, very good, year, very good year for them. Maybe, who knows? Very good weekend at the very least. Pinto was in second. And then also another returnee from last year, Collette, in third. So again, nice to see some familiar names at the top where we kind of hope we would see them as they were coming back for, for a second year.
1: Mm-hmm. Feature race had different results. Portoletto wins the race, and uh, this is the thing that really got my goat. Mini gets a five-second <laughs> penalty for a start procedure infringement. Fair enough. You've done a start penalty, start infringement, start procedure infringement. Okay, penalties because we saw that happen in Formula One. Okay, same across the board. Happy with that. What I hate is the fact that it came in the middle of a safety car. That really, ah, oh, because he drove. That's just bad timing. He's nuts off. He was right. He was at the front, and Bortoletto knew that he'd, all you need to do is stay close, wait for that five seconds to get added on, win by default. It's still a win, and he had driven to earn it at This isn't anything against Bortoletto's win. It was Fantastic a good rookie driving. play. Really good rookie play. And then obviously, we have the safety car in the final few laps. Race finishes under safety car, and you just get all the pack bunched up right up to the point. I'm that-
0: surprised he didn't drop down further because you say bunched up, but there were some gaps in places which I thought were interesting.
1: Yeah, the gap that opened up was conveniently a gap just ahead of a teammate, so maybe there was something Mm -hmm. on a team radio? I I don't want to say anything, especially because it was Sebastian Montoya that opened up the gap, he says with uh, quotes around that. I'm not throwing slander at anyone just yet, but uh, interesting, is it
0: Convenient, I think, is the word you're looking for.
1: (laughs) Uh, the, The gap appeared at the right place at the right time. Um,
0: but it was Portetello right. in the end who won for Trident with teammate Oliver Goethe in second. And then Dina began in third. Yeah. So very nice there. Prima driver, nice to see them up there a little bit as well. And Trident doing very well for their opening weekend there. They got two of the big point finishes there for, for the weekend. Mm. I mean, sprint's all very nice, but obviously less points. You want to be up there for the future race if you have to choose between the two. And you had decent close racing throughout the entire race, which made for a very nice second course for Formula 3 for this year, and again, we don't really need to sell Formula 3 to anyone. If you need to be sold on it, then you just have no heart. You just need to go and watch it.
1: It's Formula Th- 1, but with, like, cartoony character. <laughs> yeah. There's, it, there's An extra 50%, and then just a bit cartoony with it. It's more, sort of wacky races almost at points, but it's it's good in that regard, because you see these drivers learning things, and you see how quickly they're adapting as well, how they're learning and adjusting through a race that's where things become quite exciting.
0: On two, though, we're going to go back there for a moment because we're going to talk through the drivers that stood out to us the most. Jesse, I'm going to throw it to you first.
1: Um, I've got a good few notes in here. Obviously, I wanted to praise Iwasa, some great driving from him, defending like a madman in the sprint against both Victor Martins and Teo Porcher, two drivers that are hard to defend from because they both will find a way through if they really want to get past, and Iwasa made a good go at defending from him, so it's not a bad drive from him. Um, for the feature race, um, I won't give away who Timo's already chosen, but he stole what was going to be my choice. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to back Ralph Boschung. I hope this isn't a flash in the pan from him, and he could be a good challenge against Porsche. Um, will he do a Drogovic Will he just have good consistency all season long and snatch it from under Porsche's nose? We have the yet to see the kind of
0: driver he's not associated with any team in Formula 1 and Aston Martin is the kind of team that would be like, yeah, Sadek, why not? Come and join us over here. We're having a great time.
1: I mean, they picked well when they had, had Drogovic and he performed admirably during those F1 test sessions. So mm-hmm. potentially they've got a good eye in somewhere. We'll have to wait and see. Who was your driver that stood out though from Formula 2?
0: Had to be Zane Maloney for me. If Carlo and I'm going to treat him nicely, I will. And I'll say, you did good, Zane. P18 to P3, that's nice. You know what? You'll get the qualifying sorted. That's okay. But man from Bushy Park did well.
1: The man from Bushy Park did indeed do well. We'll stick with you for your drive that stood out in Formula 3.
0: Pepe Marti for me, because even though he won a race and then did decently in the feature race, he still... A little bit down the order in the championship overall, which is a pain in the ass when you win a race over a weekend. But there we go. P1 and P6, good consistency, key for the championship. As we always say, consistency is key. So maybe an outside chance for him, even though it's only early doors. But, you know, it's these kind of results where if you're not winning, you need to be in there in the points. And sixth place in the feature race is still a decent amount of points. So kudos to him for that.
1: Yeah, nice little drive. I'm going to be my usual... I'm going to be my usual indecisive self. Um, Gabriele Mini, uh, top-notch driving, really, but gutted with that feature-based result. Equally, I do want to, again, with that Bortoletto drive, absolutely on it, keeping it in that window, sat in the dirty air of Mini the entire time and managed to capitalize on that without ruining his tyres, which, again, if you can keep those Formula 3 tyres, which have a mind of their own at times, if you can keep them in the window sitting in dirty air there's a good little driver in there. It's that sort of young Sergio Perez of, oh, just keep my tyres going, keep my tyres going, keep my tyres going and then do something completely different and come out of nowhere to get points. It's it's a driving skill that I know will be looked upon favourably, especially when you move up to racing series where you have more than two choices of tyre.
0: So especially in Formula 3 where you don't have pit stops and if you do, something's gone wrong generally. (laughs) Um, So if you can prove tyre management early doors, like you say, people further up the food chain are going to look very highly upon you. Mm. but that brings us nicely onto a new section that we've got exclusively for 2023 although maybe for 2024 hopefully for 2024 we'll deal with that when we get the flush watch which is just watching Sophia Flush, which is not as creepy as it sounds because we're watching her on track where she's racing in formula 3 so it's okay
1: I'm glad you clarified that one
0: i i caught myself as i was saying and i thought there's going to be people who are going to complain so yeah Yeah, back in Formula 3 for the first time since 2020. She's now with PHM by Shrews, not Campos. And uh, qualified in P23, 0.144 behind with Nicky, one of her teammates, and 0.803 ahead of Faria, her other teammate. So not bad out of 30 for her first time back. She's not been in single-seaters since 2020, as far as I'm aware. She's just been in DTM and European Le Mans Series, so a completely different brand of racing entirely. Mm. So for her to come in like that and have a decent qualifying against people who are coming up through the ranks and who have been in single seats a bit already not bad
1: not bad at all and again you've got to phrase this against the fact that she would have had obviously the testing sessions but Mm. George Russell made this excellent point with Formula 1 it's a case of you don't expect a tennis world champion to rock up to a tennis tournament having only practiced for three days in the off season
0: Motorsport is a very odd sport like that that you just cannot yeah. practice as much as you would like.
1: So she's obviously won't have had this practice or this ability to transition into these single seaters as quite as efficiently as potentially others who have come from things like GB three or Frecker or F four will have done, because she's been out racing giant hefty old Le Mans cars or DTMs which are not like bastards to chuck around and certainly not agile like an F3 car is so there's a big gear change for her to account, sort of acclimatise to and if she's already coming in not last in qualifying that's uh, a good sign to begin with so it's, it's promising signs certainly.
0: In the sprint race the first race of the weekend she finished in P22 which was higher than both of her teammates uh, made one, one place with two retirements ahead but again you've got to be there and finishing ahead of her teammates straight out of the box Jobs are good. and Feature yeah. race, P24 start again because there's no reverse grid for for either race when you're finishing, well, when you're qualifying, sorry, that low down. Mm. Uh, finishing P21, up three places, two retirements coming from behind her, plus Fornelli in the Trident dropped a load of places due to an incident. Had on track overtakes as well, so that was very nice to see. And the piece to resistance for me was doing Ricardo dive style and overtake attempt into turn one to try and get two cars. Very ambitious. Didn't pull it off, but crucially didn't lose any positions either, so that was awesome to see, and hopefully we can get more from that, and if she's already going for this kind of stuff this early doors, then... Oh, Mama, we're in for a
1: good time. We're in for a good time. I'd definitely say the feature race was the stronger of the two. Yeah, moving up three places. There were two retirements ahead of her in the field. So one of those overtakes was, or place games was purely on merit. And again, being able to make those overtakes I think we got to see it on
0: this, TV as well. So it, it was did. refreshing think, to see for did a change.
1: Get, yeah, it did get TV coverage. And again, if you're making those overtakes in a relatively jumbled field and being able to hold on to those places in a circuit where the F3 grid is always moving backwards and forwards because it's one of those series where you've constantly got overtakes, it's. Yeah, it's great to see her be able to make that pass and make it stick and keep it as in drive away from the guy they've just overtaken. So yeah, it's promising signs. There's these sort of glowing embers that are starting to come together and form a bit of a sort of ball of warmth that could become a nice little fire as we go along. So we've got to keep hoping that PHM series are going to keep stoking it and adding a bit of fuel to it and giving it the driver training and the support that's needed.
0: Something I'm going to be interested to see as well is I need to check the F3 calendar for this year and how it much it's up to past DTM and ELMS calendars to see if there's any track she's been to before. And if so, that'll be interesting to see how she does there in a different car. Because mm. if she's familiar with the track at least, then there's potential.
1: I want to say Monza and Barcelona... Are almost certainly going to be on there. Possibly Silverstone. Um so there's at least three. Not Silverstone
0: for the ELMS, but yeah.
1: But she will have likely driven Silverstone before. Oh she will have likely, yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Um, but, uh, but certainly ELMS, she will have likely done Barcelona and Monza. Imola possibly I'm not sure if F3 are there this year or not though, so I'll have to check that. Good question. I've got the calendar up so here, hang on a second. Two seconds, Ted. Uh yeah we've got F3 and Imola. So she might well that'll be interesting know Imola. So that'll be good news for her as well. And equally, I think if we're going to get, do a flush watch, I think we ought to have like a, a Chadwick keep an eye um, because obviously she's over in Indy NXT, Indy Next at the moment. And decent little weekend, although boisterous at St. Petersburg. Um, but I think we had that with both big indie and little Indy. Um, it was scrappy all over the place. All around. <laughs> yeah, it was scrappy all around with lots of drivers getting caught out in turn four in both leagues. So sort of credit where it's due Bringing that car home and it was battered by the end of that race. Like she must have been struggling aero wise towards the she end. She
0: was doing a Fernando Alonso last year and just driving the car to destruction at points yeah, there. And... she was, okay, I'm going to make mistakes, but we're going to reverse, we're going to reset, and we're going to go again, and we're going to try again. <laughs>
1: She limped at home. Did she make up places from her starting position as well?
0: Yeah, I think she finished... Uh, she started at the back of the grid, so made it up to P13 in the end. So... Mm. Was it P13 or P15?
1: She was, she was a fair way back. And P13 she made was, up places. Where she,
0: was where she finished. Mm.
1: So, yeah, a decent drive on track from her. And again, obviously, it's first race the season, the same as it is with Flush. If you've come from something that's different to drive, especially in Flush's case, where it's radically different coming in single seaters, those indie cars are very different to The what would have been the W series, the Tortoise F4 cars last year's, that it's going to be a very different car. step up we wanted for uh, her. That
0: it's going to take a couple of races for her to get to grips with that, I think. But crucially, she's she's done a lot of mistakes in this, but none of them were fatal. And that is the very important thing there. Whereas other drivers who are from other areas of America who have possibly with the various US junior categories, the US Pro 2000 Championship or whatever they're called, go
1: on. Or other drivers, potentially from Australia, Scott McLaughlin. Yeah,
0: in IndyCar, not Indy NXT.
1: The, my point is that it's easy to make mistakes, even if you're used to <laughs> driving these cars. Roman and turn Roman Grosjean did not make a mistake. He was pushed wide by Scott McLaughlin. I will die on this goddamn hill, Timo.
0: I think it's just better if we move on and you just tell us the F2 Drivers Championship after
1: I the first round. I'm <laughs> going to do some breathing exercises. I'm going to regain my calm and we'll move on to the F2 Drivers and Constructors standing. So coming out of Bahrain, uh, Theo Borcher leads the F2 Drivers standings 32 points ahead of uh, Ralph Boshong in P2 with 28. Maloney takes P3 with 15 points. So it's it's not spread out at the front and it's looking like a good year's battle for uh, certainly P2 and P3. I'm wondering if Porsche is going to be able to run away with it or if he's going to struggle with his usual luck. In the I constructors... kind of hope he doesn't
0: run away with it, but um, I don't at want the him to same struggle. time, I could. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to struggle either. It'd be interesting to see. I think if we can have some consistency from other players, then that'll be a nice challenge for him. And the fun fact I have about all three of those drivers, Jesse, is that they all have more points than Roman Grosjean.
1: Leave Roma out of this. F2 constructors. Uh Campos Racing leads the constructor standings 42 points. ART on 38 in P2 and Rodan Carling in P3 with 18 points. So yeah, interesting spread of drivers across there. It's going to be interesting to see how things move forwards from there. Timo, why don't you run us through the top end of the F3 fields?
0: Completely different over an F3. Bortoletto P1 with 26 points. Goeth P2 with 23 points. And Begavic P3 with 22 points. Interestingly. None of the sprint race poaching people got to be in this top three for the championship overall just yet. It's a shame for them. Must try harder. F3 constructors, meanwhile, tried and romped ahead of everyone else in P1 with 52 points to their name, while Premer are back in P2 with 28 points, and ART round out the top three with 22 points to their name.
1: Nicely done. Um, that's all we've got time for, unless you've got anything else you want to finally chuck at us. No, but I'm just very glad I have 2 and f
0: Back, have some proper blockbuster racing all weekend there. So f- simply lovely,
1: simply simply lovely, as Max Verstappen would say. And yes, remember to join us again soon, when we'll be previewing the Saudi Arabian Formula One Grand Prix. If we've got F two there this year as well, we do. Oh, excellent. So we'll have some F2 content coming for you from Saudi Arabia, as well as F1 content, and hopefully in the middle. Um, now that he's back on your teleboxes with F2 and F3 commentary, we'll have an interview with Alex Brundle coming to the YouTubes and the Spotifys near you soon. So remember to make sure you've liked, subscribed, and got notifications turned on to not miss anything. In the meantime, Timo, where can the people find you?
0: Just about gosh darn everywhere, Jesse. You can find me over on Is It Fast, On The Curbs, The Nitro RX Podcast, Paddock Sorority, and Instagram. Jesse, what about yourself?
1: i can be found across instagram and twitter as at cars i've also got control of the, the undercut podcast instagram uh, twitter account rather uh, so go find us on there to have a look and see what we're tweeting about or usually what i'm moaning about and uh, if you like my writing go find me in classic car weekly where i'm usually writing about and doing interesting things um, i'm off to go and pretend to be james bond tomorrow driving a very nice lotus indeed <laughs>